this one time at Bandcamp. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about episodes 27, 28, and 29 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. I believe we said the episode title of this this first episode that we're going to be talking about today called I'm an Alien, mm-hmm. which is uh, a more literal title than I originally thought this <laughs> <laughs> this episode title would bet was was gonna be when I first watched this. Don't you remember Let's Go Hunting or uh, We Found Something Weird? They're all very descriptive. It's, I should really just take the episode title at face value at this point. <laughs> also, I just now noticed in the OP that you can see Saint Gentleman in the background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at that. Uh, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. This is our first recording after the holidays, <gasps> and boy, I got some stories. Oh, right, yeah. I got you. You know the broad strokes. You you know, <laughs> I I was like texting you during some of these events, mm-hmm. but there are details that that will be new to you. <laughs> All right, hit me. My my plans. My my wife and I we went to uh, see our families, and the the plan was to stay with our friends who were in turn going to see their families. So basically, mm. we would have a little like home base to to go from. That while we were house sitting for these friends of ours, mm. <laughs> and like the last thing we did would they would come to their home and we would catch up and then just hit the road and go. Mm. So so it's Christmas Eve. We wake up. I'm upstairs taking care of uh, our dog who we brought with us. She is downstairs taking care of the cats uh, for for our gracious uh, uh, hosts. Their their cats, you know, take their food and everything in the basement. Right. And then I hear. Uh, a call, uh, a, a question, a shout. Uh, our, our friend's sump pump had died overnight and uh, uh, hooray Christmas Eve flooding all through Ugh. the basement. <laughs> not, not bad, not deep, just like a, a stream, a river snaking through. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I start my day. After, you know, I've, you know, I've fed Mo and I've gotten dressed. I'm ready to, like, see some aunts and cousins and things, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just lifting and moving all of these, uh, like, storage basement boxes that our friends don't even know what's in them. I found an old CD collection. I'm not sure which of them it belonged to, but <laughs> they were really into Eve 6. I know that. Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> and- these boxes, of course, that at least one of the cats has decided is her apartment, is is these boxes. <laughs> <laughs> They're covered in hair. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we're, we're texting back and forth with them, like, uh, what do you want to do? How should we handle this? Just trying to get things that can get wet away from the wet mm-hmm. and, like, moving uh, the, the uh, litter boxes and the food bowls into the other end of the basement, which the cats don't like because cats like you know, familiarity. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> so our friends are trying to like contact emergency uh, plumbers who would be working on a December the 24th and uh, having no luck because God. all of their ranges are like not covering where their house actually is. Mm-hmm. So eventually they just order a new sump pump and our friend's brother happened to have the morning free and uh, I was going to come swing by and replace it, but 
they, they needed to get numbers and measurements. And I don't know where they keep their like uh, uh, rulers or measuring <laughs> tape in this house. But what I do have is I have a roll of wrapping paper that I know is 30 inches long. <laughs> And if I hold that over the hole and it goes uh, about healthy ways past halfway, I know this is an 18-inch in diameter hole, and I feel pretty <laughs> confident about that measurement. <laughs> the end of the story, just a quick spoiler, is that everything is fine. Okay. Uh, not, not, there, no, no harm came to any pets or properties. Everything worked out just a-okay, which is why I feel safe in uh, <laughs> complaining about how my nice Christmas outfit was all ruined, covered in cat hair oh. and box dust, and I felt very grumpy about it. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, so I, I went up and changed, and then this this wonderful brother came to to switch things out just as we were leaving to go to my my aunt's house. And then you know we come back in the evening and see that while we were gone, he emptied a whole other closet of stuff to protect it from the the, the small amount of flooding mm. that I didn't even know was there, <laughs> and I felt. So bad that this dude alone cleaned out so much more of their storage oh. space and then replaced the sump pump. Everything's fine. Okay. It's all okay. Uh, but then the next day happened. <laughs> oh, no. So the next day, if you were paying attention, you'll know that this is Christmas Day. Uh, I'm spending with my in-laws who live in the middle of nowhere. Now, most people who say the middle of nowhere, they mean like you know, two miles out of town where there's cornfields. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> My in-laws home, the three nearest towns have one stoplight each. <laughs> and, and so living out in such a place, uh, uh, there are critters. There's wildlife. The wildlife includes feral cats that live out in the woods mm -hmm. and they they take pity on these poor creatures and like especially because these cats just love to have their wild feral kittens under the porch oh. and that leaves you with a feeling of responsibility at yeah, the end of the day yeah so essentially they have like four or five outdoor cats that have adopted them mm -hmm. and so my brother-in-law has essentially turned their porch into a hotel for <laughs> outdoor cats to come and go <laughs> There's water, there's occasionally food, there's bundles of straw so they can get up off of the, the cold, drafty tile floor. Okay. Everything is nearly all enclosed. They have a couple remote cameras to watch the cats oh, to man. see if they're okay. Yeah, it, okay. Like, if you get, you're getting critters under your porch like that, that's just what you gotta do. <laughs> you gotta have the cameras. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> Food's done, gifts are done, everybody's caught up. We're, we're about to start moving toward, moving toward making our goodbyes. You, you know, that, that stage oh, of the yeah. visit. It can take anywhere from 15 minutes to two and a half hours, yeah. Yes. Yep. This I was one of the latter because that's when the cameras caught a possum. Oh. <laughs> so now we, we can't leave during the possum episode, uh -huh. obviously. We have to stick around for possum time. <laughs> so my brother-in-law, who's a very large man, he's mm. a, around my height and three times my width. Oh, minimal. my God. He's a large man. It's three grants wide. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they measure pants in, in grant widths. Uh, so he goes out with like a pair of thick gardening gloves. 
and a uh, uh, one of those aluminum grabby hands with the the trigger to get things off the tall shelves. Oh yeah, yeah. He's going to trap this possum and make sure the possum doesn't steal the food for the the nice outdoor cats. Mm-hmm. So this takes a while. For a while, <laughs> we thought that the possum just escaped unseen, but no, it, it was hiding in a corner under a thing. Possum comes out and gets stashed in a, a plastic t- uh, tub, like a tote with mm-hmm. a lid, and he like uh, uh, stretches a bungee cord over the lid to, to seal it in. And now it's time to release the possum <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> and my mother-in-law says, hey, Grant, go release the possum. <laughs> oh, God. So so I get my coat on. Like, okay, I don't... It comes out during this event that this all happened two days ago with a different possum, a, a different mm. larger possum. So, like, oh. there is a, a, a procedure has been established for what to do. Oh, good. I, I'm not necessary, really. <laughs> It worked just fine two days earlier. Yeah. But I'm still going. This is the first time I I have known this man for about half my life. Mm -hmm. This is the first time we spent significant one-on-one time. Oh, wow. And it's wrangling a possum. And this is also the first time where I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be shot and left in a ditch. (laughs) Okay. We've come a long way, my brother-in-law and I. That's great. All it took was bonding with an opossum. When he got his concealed carry, uh, uh, you know, permit, he really wanted me to know about it in mm. no uncertain terms. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> so we are rambling along down the road to like this this nature preserve or campground or so- something of that nature where he knows a guy. Okay. So like, if we get caught, we're not trespassing because he knows a guy, mm. right? Why would anyone care? Why would anyone catch me? It's not like we even went in. We, we just like <laughs> went along a public road alongside it, pulled off uh, uh, and, and just went down literally 15, 20 feet down a trail into it. Like, okay. I don't, that, that doesn't it's, even count. But bad. everyone's paranoid about everything. And my whole job is to take a flashlight Mm-hmm. And uh, so that he does not, I guess, trip over whatever else is in the woods here. <laughs> okay. And we, we chat and there's a possum in the back. Mm-hmm. And we, we get out in this appointed spot, which I have described. And suddenly there's not a possum in the back anymore because it's time to release the possum. Let me show, share with you the picture <gasps> of releasing the possum. Oh, man. Now, what you will see in this picture... Mm-hmm. Is that that brown thing in the box? <laughs> That's the back two thirds of a possum. Okay. You will also see my brother in law's hand taking a much better picture of this possum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's missing the face of the possum, the best part. <laughs> <laughs> So so we release the possum, we turn around right behind us. What we do not realize until we turn around and start walking away is a dead deer that someone uh, uh, got and then ran off and then died in hunting season, but was not found. Oh, boy. We are hearing many coyotes. Oh, God. <laughs> and then drive back to to the house where finally we can finish the time to go dance and say our goodbyes and that's how I spent my christmas vacation. Oh wow. Like I said to you when you when you first told me that like hey I've got possum things happening. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I I was just thinking like man if I ever met a possum I would be probably trying to get too close to it because I've seen too many cute ones on the internet 
And now I want to... How close is too... Am, am I too close taking this picture, or is my brother-in-law too close taking his picture? Well, I mean, he's in a little tub. It's fine, I think, there. <laughs> it's not like he's going to launch a couple feet up into the air to bite you, I would think. But he I'm just to like the tub. Had to tip the tub. Oh, he liked like, the tub. Really inclined to to get him out, and then <laughs> waddling away into the the underbrush. Okay, I'm ju- I'm just thinking like when the the possum was like under the porch or something, mm-hmm. I would be like getting just in there a little bit too deep to look at the the possum. <laughs> uh, well, that's what the gardening clubs are for. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't really think possums bite too much i've seen some videos of dudes just going like yo you can just pick up a possum (laughs) well possums are one of the safest wild critters because they are like biologically immune to rabies they they cannot contract or transmit it that's right i forgot about that well now i gotta look for possums (laughs) what's the worst that could happen it'll bite me a little bit who cares Pick I mean, up a they, they can have fleas and flea-borne illnesses, yeah. but, you know, the big one is not a problem. Yeah. Love possums. I mean, maybe it's just the, the perspective of the photo. The possum's a little smaller than I thought he would be. It's not a particularly large possum, no. No. Yeah. It was a little guy. Okay. And he wasn't, like, freaking out or anything during this whole thing? He was just kind of hanging out? I think, mean, no, the, the, it, it wasn't wobbling. I did carry the tub. Mm-hmm. He seemed pretty calm about the whole thing. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so anyway, episode 27, I'm an alien. <laughs> no possums in this. No, no. Uh, Pretty much everything else, though. Yeah, just about everything else is in this episode. So so we open on Pappy Kira flying around in his photo, pulled forth by the arrow, looking for, for who's going to be his next victim when he finds an elf of Mirkwood. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a teen in what appears to be a pretty similar s- school uniform to all the other, mm-hmm. uh, to, to Josuke no Kiyasu, but yeah, he's got elf ears. He's got elf ears, he's got like a, a lumbar length straight hair. Mm. This is Legolas's cousin. <laughs> Trying to get as far as possible from Grandpa Th- uh, Thranduil, which, you know what, fair. Uh, so... <laughs> Elder Kira says to himself, that boy will be the sixth new stand user I've created. What a busy day. Yeah, he's really getting around. (laughs) Like, especially by this point, because Pappy Kira is basically always talking out loud to himself, to no one else. Well, he has no friends. Yeah, but he seems like every time he appears in, in each episode, he seems to get more and more like, like he's just having fun doing this. Like, almost Mm -hmm. like he's completely forgotten what the goal is it's just like man it's fun making stand users maybe he's the self-insert anybody considered this <laughs> huh? Huh? whoa so uh he, he lets this arrow fly and instead of piercing the neck of our friendly elf it instead just sort of bounces off it, it leaves a scratch but this is a very unusual reaction and uh yeah kira is not a fan of this he's like what the fuck what the fuck is going on yeah, like, the, and this is when we get our first real, like, head-on look, you know, at the the front of this boy. Mm-hmm. Elven features <laughs> on the face too, uh, mm-hmm, but he's mm-hmm. he's also got a uh, nose piercing that has a chain on it that connects to his earring, um, mm-hmm. and his school uniform has a ton of medallions on it, like every other cool teen in the show does. Yeah, his medallions seem to be taking the place of buckles, or maybe they're just very large buckles holding his jacket together. (laughs) Yeah. But they are in the shapes of, like, UFOs and stars. Yeah, and and planets and stuff like that. Pappy Kira is is confused because not only is it weird to have an arrow, this arrow just bounce off somebody, it's 
bouncing off someone of the arrow specifically like chose too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This elven dude is completely unaffected. He barely even realizes that he's been hit by anything. And that's when we cut to the first instance of the third opening of yep. uh, Diamond is Unbreakable. Uh, it starts off like it's the Kira show, essentially. <laughs> I, I like the <laughs> front and center. You're here to see Kira, baby. <laughs> yep. I believe the song is called Breakdown. They say it a lot at the start. The The word breakdown <laughs> is constantly exploding and then reforming. And every time it explodes, it's revealing a different image behind it. Like it's an eternal struggle between between Crazy Diamond and Killer Queen. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh. yeah. But after that segment, then we get our teen heroes just leaving trails through town. Uh, every frame is left behind like a fucking window solitaire windscreen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and then our, our final segment is, is essentially Raimi leading everyone in heroic sky pointing. Yes. Yeah, pointing to the sky that uh, the, the camera pulls high up into the sky and we can see other characters who have died are also in the clouds pointing down at the, the living characters. Mm-hmm, so you can mm-hmm. see uh, Shigechi up in heaven. Dr. Aya floating around having to deal with Shigechi up in heaven. Oh, man. I don't think that would be a... I don't think those two would get along. I don't know. <laughs> What's wrong with your face? I can fix it. What do you mean? I'm a perfect little boy. <laughs> So back in uh, the episode proper, uh, our, our narrator-voiced Speedwagon agent is delivering the, their Kira dossier to, to Jotaro. All of, the po- all of the information that the Speedwagon Foundation can possibly collect on this anonymous man. Yeah. But meanwhile, Kai Harada is uh, uh, putting out a program on the air. He must record his bumpers in advance. That's how he's in two places at once. Yeah. It's it's his secret identity. Like this is mm-hmm. this is his cover. Both of them are noting that uh, while Kira may be trying to lay low right now, as he has just assumed this other man's identity. There's no way he isn't going to make a move and possibly, you know, uh, expose himself in public in some way because uh, it's it's just now summer in Morio. Yes. Tourist season has begun. Yep. Uh, J- July 1st is when they open the, the beaches and everything. July 1st, 1999 is also the day uh, that Edward Dmitrick died. Uh, he was a famed director of film noir and once hmm. was blacklisted for refusing to testify to the HUAC. So hmm. that has nothing to do with anything because this episode does not take place on July the 1st. They just kind of <laughs> talk about it yeah. as a recent event. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you do get a lot of panning shots of different areas of Morio now that they are flooded with tourists. Morio is a, a tourist destination for people from like Tokyo and, and other cities, uh, mainly S city, of S city. Yes, it's mostly like camping and fishing and like sailing and stuff like that. Lots of outdoorsy activities in Morio. I, I love the like middle aged uh, oh to, yeah to retirement age backpacker with a tennis racket sticking out of his he, backpack and he's got like twenty <laughs> buttons on his, his hat hat is covered in buttons he's turned buttons into scale mail on yeah. his hat <laughs> yeah that that's dude. the most honest look at a tourist I've ever seen like hell yeah <laughs> yeah and he's like looking at the camera and, and he's just so happy like he, <laughs> this dude is prepared to have a good ass vacation. So so now the narrator uses his most sinister voice to segue yes. us over to Kira, looking down at some very killable young women walking on the sidewalk outside of his new home. Yeah. Which means that this one guy just played three characters in a minute. It's Respect to you. Incredible. 
But yeah, he transitions because like the camera pans up and it's, you know, a bright summery day. And while we're looking at the sky, it just kind of fades from daytime to nighttime. The clouds get all dark and sinister looking. When it pans down, we're at Kira's new home. And the narrator asks, you know, what are you going to do this summer? That's right. There are many fun things to do, but it's not just upstanding moral citizens that want to have fun. <laughs> As Kira is like, yeah, seeing these these three young women walk down the sidewalk right outside his house. And he's like biting his nails and running his hand down the mirrors. He's like sweating. Like, cause tourist season means people are away from, you know, their, their networks. No one's expecting to hear from them for a few days. Anyway. Yeah. Plenty of time for a trail to go cold. And, and Kira is trying to resist his, his urges to kill as he is doing this, you can visibly see his fingernails like grow an inch. You think you think this whole thing do you think Kira would have been way worse off in like the age of Instagram? Oh god. Yeah. Because all of these, like his favored class of victim especially, would be documenting every fifteen minutes mm-hmm. of their vacation. God, yeah. It's 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 a good thing Kira wasn't using the internet at this <laughs> point. Like that would just give him way more access to way more I wonder if Kira is the type of dude who would actually leave his town to go kill people elsewhere because he's he there's been some dialogue in the past that makes it clear that he's pretty attached to Morio. So I don't know if he it's it's he would go elsewhere mm-hmm, like, in mm-hmm. search of, of hunting people. But but anyway, he's clawing at his window, panting like the horny wolf from from a cartoon uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and decides, no, no, I got to got to call myself, got to center myself. I'm going to practice my victim's signature so so that I can fit in better in his new life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it almost feels like Kira is struggling through No Nut November right now or something. <laughs> That's kind of how it comes off. The, the, the amount of profuse sweating and just uh He's gross. It's no slaughter summer, and he's having a real hard time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's he's practicing this guy's handwriting, mm-hmm. um, and he is like cursing Jotaro and Josuke in his thoughts as his wife Shinobu yeah. comes up the stairs, and she's got tea. And you know what they say, fellas? When your wife brings you a tea tray, she wants to fuck. <laughs> and yeah, that is exactly what is happening here. Uh, <laughs> And like when she comes in, he he gets he he's shocked and he grabs a different book to put on top of the notebook where he's practicing the writing so that, you know, that doesn't look weird to her. Mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. he starts drinking the tea like she's already blushing when she brings the tea in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like she's already got ideas. And so she's laying on the bed deciding like, oh, geez, it's so late. It's like. 10 p.m. or something like that. Ladies, you walk in on your husband. He's reading uh, uh, some like nonfiction, whatever it is. How do you approach? What's yeah. your open? <laughs> and so she's like, oh, I'm so tired. Guess it's time to hit the sack. And she starts undressing. And immediately there's like a, a dramatic turnaround of Kira's face go like, oh, shit. This lady's so easy to kill right now. <laughs> like... He's, he's just looking at, like, her exposed neck, and he, he gets up, and it's just like, oh, man, this is like, it's strangle time. It's yeah, time it's, to strangle. It's, it's so strangle time, but he can't do strangle time. It's too soon. He's too vulnerable. And so in, in the last moment before he just, like, wrings the life out of Shinobu, uh, he, he tears his hands away, which 
in just a moment of clumsiness, like grabs the back of her, her dress and, and tears it open, buttons popping off everywhere. Yep. And she's really and- into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's just trying to not be suspicious. So he's just apologizing, saying, you know, sorry, I, I scared you. Uh, you know, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. And the whole time she's just like, wow, this is fucking hot. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, come, come on, come on. And then, and then, I'm, I'm like old faithful down here. Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as she is thinking about that, like she's on the floor, like all turned on and stuff, the, the camera looks up and there's a, a small glint, a shine on the ceiling of this bedroom. And when the camera zooms in on it, there's a little camera embedded in the ceiling. Ominous, ominous ceiling lens. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's the next day. The next morning, uh, Okiasu and Josuke are, are walking down some country road. I do not know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess they're off of school, so they're, they're just exploring, seeking the adventure of the day. Yeah. And they find a crop circle with a yeah. dead elf in the center. <laughs> yeah. Like, Okiyasu is just freaking out that they they found a, a genuine crop circle. And yeah, right in the center of it, the, the elven dude is in there. But he's kind of, like, gone to bed. He He's tucked himself in with a bunch of straw mm-hmm. over him <laughs> so he could barely tell there's a guy there. So, yeah, it turns out he's awake. He just looks dead. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And when he wakes up, he stands up like a Dracula. He's yes. totally stiff and like levers up from his heels to a standing position somehow. So Josuke and Okiyasu are a little confused. This dude's got motherfucking elf ears. What the hell is this? This this guy just starts asking, Hey, where am I? What is this place? And they're they're telling him about, you know, this is you know, the area that they're in. And this guy just says, oh, man, I must have just passed out. I was feeling really sick last night. I just kind of fainted in in this field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, looks like I've been unconscious for over 13 Earth hours. <laughs> so he does not outright say he's an alien, but he's very clearly saying he's an alien. Yeah. And Josuke and Okiasu pick up on that and think it's the funniest bit they've ever heard. They fall down uh, on themselves laughing like, ah, you made a crop circle and you're an alien. Dude, you're you're fucking hilarious, man. This dude's wild. You don't even understand. (laughs) Yeah. The absolute lad. Yeah. (laughs) And so then like this this elven alien guy just looks kind of confused and so he reaches into his little like messenger bag and he just pulls out some weird random box and just silently holds it out to them and that also makes him just just start cracking up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and they're like okay no really who are you where are you from and he is maintaining that he is from the, the Magellanic Clouds and his home planet was destroyed. And now he, he's uh, checking out Earth to see if it and its people are, are a suitable new, new home. That does not narrow things down at all. The, the large Magellanic <laughs> cloud, is, cloud is a fucking galaxy. It's 14 light years wide. <laughs> yeah. Excuse it's me. The- it's 14,000 light years wide. Yeah. God damn. And so now Josuke and Okiyasu are just like, okay, the joke is really funny, but you got to learn when to stop committing to the bit. This is going on too long now. You're ruining the joke. 
you know, they notice he's got the scratch on his neck. It's still bleeding a little bit. And so Josuke pulls out like a tiny little pack of tissues like here, what you know, just clean yourself up. And the, this alien dude just looks at the, the little pack of tissues and then he just crams the whole thing in his mouth and swallows it whole. And he's just like, that was great. Thank you. Now, this this is the cornerstone of like fish out of water, alien visitor comedy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure this happens in Earth Girls Are Easy. Like, come, <laughs> everybody does this bit. It's great. Yep. Everyone loves it. Earth Girls Are Easier is a pretty good movie, by the way. <laughs> it's got I Jeff like Goldblum. That. Yeah, I like that movie. Also, is it Jim Carrey one of the yes, aliens? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's... yeah. Josuke and Okiyasu are just kind of walking down the road, and this alien guy is just following them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Josuke and Okiyasu's plan is to walk through this field and get into the the town proper so that they could buy some ice cream. It is not after school, actually. It's the morning before school, and Okuyasu just has a, a tradition, a routine of getting ice cream in the morning. Yes, he complains that, you know, the ice cream store is usually open at 8 a.m. on a Monday. What gives? And I say, yeah, if your ice cream store is open at 8 a.m. on a Monday, that's weird. But it's extra weird if it's not after the beaches are open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the one Monday it ought to be open. So so looking at a July 1999 calendar, uh, if, if <laughs> the first Monday is the 5th of July. So that is the day that our story primarily takes place. However, mm. that does mean that we learned the beaches were open and everything in scenes that took place on the 4th. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. The 4th of July being very sinister to tourists. Got, got to think of Jaws. Probably <laughs> not a Jaws reference, but it puts me in mind of Jaws. Yeah. Okuyasu is crushed. There is no ice cream for today, this morning. And the alien just reaches into his bag and he's just got two plastic wrapped, still cold somehow, ice cream cones in there. And they're suspicious and a little confused. And he insists, well, would you like the cream? <laughs> yes i think at some point he asks, like do you like the ice of cream uh, uh it's are the ice of creams unsatisfactory <laughs> yeah so they're still just very confused and like oh no what is like what is your name mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. what galaxy are you from your name uh and so his name is new miki takazo nshi n-s-h-i mm-hmm he is 216 years old, he pilots his own ship solo, he likes house pets, and keeps a little mouse in his bag. <laughs> yeah. And there's like one shot of him going like, look at this mouse I got, but he's petting it and like so fully cupping his hand over it, you can't, you can't even see the, the mouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so now Josuke and Okuyasu engage in some telepathy uh, and start talking to each other via their thoughts somehow. <laughs> This is fucking wild ass shit, and it comes up twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just know each other so well that they just know what each other is saying, I guess. And what they're know. thinking about is whether to beat this guy's ass preemptively, because <laughs> he's so weird, he must be a stand user. <laughs> yeah. There's a really funny bit here in their first like telepathic exchange where they're thinking, like, okay, we're going to agree that we just need to find a way to like test this guy to see if he's got a stand or something. And then you see Okuyasu's hands lifting up into the frame with the ice cream cone he's got. And then Josuke just thinks, don't eat the ice cream. <laughs> and Okuyasu picks up on that and doesn't eat the ice cream. <laughs> v- voice actor notes. These are mm. some fun ones. Uh, our elf friend here, we've heard his English voice before in one of our projects. He's oh. the voice of Leslie in the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, shit. I can hear it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
That makes sense. And his Japanese voice uh, dubbed Eminem in 8 Mile. <laughs> okay, that's fun. So they are continuing to investigate, uh, find out as much as they can about this alleged alien. Uh, and they're like, okay, if you got a spaceship, why don't you show us? And he says, yeah, I could in a few days. It's going to take a while to get here. It's parked one and a half million kilometers away. <laughs> Yeah. For the record, that's four times the distance from the Earth to the moon. And while they're doing this too, Okuyasu is just trying to observe this alien guy from a couple, from different angles. So he's like leading over to the side and looking at him sideways. And as he's doing this, the alien guy is just like mimicking all of Okuyasu's actions. And <laughs> and only Okuyasu's. He doesn't do anything with Josuke. <laughs> Yeah, and so Aki, Okuyasu noticed that, so he just starts, like, picking his nose. So the alien is picking his nose and, like, confused, like, why would anyone do this? <laughs> so they have another psychic communication about beating his ass. <laughs> yeah, they they just go, like, okay, so you're an alien? And, he, and this guy's just like, oh, yes, that's a great word to use. I am an alien. <laughs> <laughs> How come your blood's not green, then? Yeah, all alien like Jesse just says everyone knows that aliens have green blood. <laughs> and before he can uh, uh, come up with an explanation for for that for that sort of discrepancy, there is a fire in town, and so uh, there are fire sirens as the trucks mm. go by, and the sounds do not agree well with, with our elf friend's uh, uh, sort of constitution. He begins turning pink and and like he's breaking out into hives and and he just cannot handle this sound yeah he 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 just starts screaming and and shouting and it's it's so painful for him that he just runs across the road and leaps into a bush <laughs> So Josuke runs after him into this bush, like, uh, nobody can tell me that they're an alien, expect me to believe it, and then jump into a bush. Uh Uh-uh, I'm following. (laughs) So uh, as he gets in there, the the, the legs, the legs of this man, they turn into giant flat tentacles, these legs. Yeah, there's something about the way they are colored and shaded, because they're kind of like a bright like sky blue it almost looks like his bottom half is made out of tentacles comprised of airheads airhead candy that's what it looks like he looks gummy and fruit flavored and then all of him for uh uh, you know top to bottom becomes one big blue ball of linguine yeah yeah and and he is just shouting to josuke like please save me from the sound that i'm allergic to i will do (laughs) anything if you help me and then he goes, here, I'll turn into a pair of sneakers. Just run away from the sound. And so now he turns into a cool pair of sneakers that are that Josuke is now wearing. And it allows Josuke to jump 300 feet into the air. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is straight up a, a kid's made-for-TV movie now. Yeah, about yeah. Being an, like, this got greenlit after Flight of the Navigator. It was made on a budget of $20,000 and a carton of smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they gave him all the child I've seen this movie four times. Yep. And so, yeah, Josuke is just flying through the air, and he looks down at his magic sneakers and goes, are you really an alien? (laughs) And this is when we get our uh, interstitial card that shows our our alien friend and his Stan question mark, uh, which is named Earth, Wind, and Fire. 
Uh, I don't think we got to explain who Earth, Wind, and Fire is, although I'm sure there are a lot of people who wish the story was said about two and a half months later, regardless. (laughs) Uh, But, (laughs) I mean, it is an open question, right? Uh, uh, In the entire history of this character, whether he is an alien with inherent biological and or technological abilities, or if he is a stand user that does not understand stands. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's the former. I think he's telling the truth. I think he's a fucking weird alien. Mm-hmm. And we are just categorizing his uh, inherent abilities in stained terms. Much yeah. the same way as, say, uh, uh, the Elder Kira's ghost abilities in a, a photograph is yeah. uh, categorized as a stand, even though I also don't think it is one. Yeah, I think he's just got ghost powers. And I could be wrong on both of these fronts. I, I'm, I'm not married to the idea. It's just what I'm going to say. Yeah. So after we come back from the interstitial, Josuke is running straight up a vertical surface. He he is climbing the walls of a of a of his school, of a big building. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think it's his school actually. So yeah, he he walks all the way up to the top and the sneakers pop off and start forming into the alien again and as he's like mid-forming, Josuke brings out Crazy Diamond to just sock this dude in the face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But stops, and he's, but stops yeah. just the barest distance away, and the elf does not flinch, implying he does not see Crazy Diamond, implying he is not a stand user. Yep. So the alien is just like, hey, man, thanks. Thank you for getting me away from that sound <laughs> I'm allergic to. I will do anything you want to, to rate repay you. And he's just like, I can basically shapeshift into... Any object for the or most, or even part. a collection of objects. He even he became two shoes after all. Yeah, the only limitation is that he can't form complex objects like machinery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he can't turn into a car or anything. He could turn into a sculpture of a car. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he could. could look like a car, but you could not put gas in him and go. <laughs> yeah, and so he's got like this book with him that's just got like it's from like. A Kame U store, it looks like. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. it's just like a shopping catalog or something. So it's like, do you want me to turn into anything in here? <laughs> so Josuke gets a, a, a sudden bright idea that feels very adjacent to how he was trying to scam Shigechi a little bit. Yeah. I, and, and speaking of, it is related because uh, Josuke has been having some financial issues. <laughs> Yeah. Once his mom found out that he scammed the lottery, he does not have access to that one and two thirds million yen anymore. He got cut <laughs> off. Yeah, it's just stored in a in a bank account he can't do anything with yet. So Josuke, he flips to a certain page in the book and he goes, can you morph into this? And he points at some dice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and he apologizes for not knowing what dice are. Like, that's a moral failing. Like, that's a yeah. problem for him. So Josuke starts describing what, a di- what dice are and, you know, where the numbers are and how they, the opposite sides always add up at seven. And so Alien's just like, oh, shit, yeah, I get this. Here we go. And he turns into a die. And it's like a three-foot-tall die. It's huge. I, I have to respect this for Iraqi figuring out a way to give explanations for things that do not require explanations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jessica's just like, okay, well, dice are smaller than this, about yay big. And so the alien shrinks down and he picks up the die. And when he picks it up, the alien giggles because he's ticklish. Uh, 
And he just goes like, die, don't giggle. And also we're getting the Josuke like victory theme music for a dude turning into a die. <laughs> yeah. And so now Josuke is all pumped up and he's just like, all right, get ready to lose a bunch of money, Rohan. <laughs> so he goes he- to Rohan's house. Rohan's house has had more action than anybody's house, I think. Yep. And I have no idea what event Rohan got dressed for today, but it ain't shooting dice with a teenager. I know that. Oh, man, it's wild. It's like a crop top with uh, slits. It's a it's a crop sweater with shoulder vents and, and other slits. Yeah, yeah. And he's got like these big, like... Huge oversized clown pants held up yeah. by suspenders <laughs> over yeah. his skin tight pants. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's a wild outfit. He's layering pants! <laughs> it's research. It's research for his manga. So Josuke knocks on the door and he's like, Hey, you're not gonna believe this, but I would love to see some advanced pages of... What you call it? Uh, I don't know, Teal Shadow Man, whatever. I love that book. <laughs> and Rohan's me like, fuck you. No, you're not. Why are you here? <laughs> Fucking... Give me the truth. And so Josuke's like, okay, all right, you caught me. I only have 300 bucks. I need more money. Play me at dice. Play play me at CeeLo. Ever since Shigechi died, Rohan is the only person Josuke knows who has money. Yeah. Oh, what? He's going to scam his dad? No, thank you. <laughs> He's only got traveler's checks. He still hasn't exchanged those. Yeah. Rohan agrees to play CeeLo, but not because he's interested in the game or anything. He just wants to, he he just enjoys the idea of making Josuke poorer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to interject with a thought that came up here. Uh, essentially, how dangerous Kira is as a villain entirely hinges on how much he likes manga. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. God, yeah, if you could just get Heaven's Door on him, you could just write, I'm no longer a serial killer, and also I confess. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the police and I confess. I, I, I can see Kira going either way, so I'm going to, to propose a, a compromise. I think mm-hmm. Yoshikage Kira really likes manga as long as it's Astro Boy or, or older. Yeah, I agree. He, he only he... reads manga older than he is. Yeah, it's, it's whatever manga old manga he found and read as a kid and that's all he is interested in and you can not convince him otherwise Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so totally immune to heaven's door in the same way that uh in the same way that josuke is (laughs) yeah so yeah they're they're setting up to play CeeLo. Uh, they've they've got rules that they're posting up. Yes, uh, uh, like with their thumbtack on the post on a post uh you know out on the back porch uh and so josuke is holding three dice rohan's just like uh, uh uh no way we're playing with my dice let me go get them from the kitchen and yeah. josuke starts freaking out and then he starts freaking out in a positive way because he <laughs> somehow snuck <laughs> more elf dice inside <laughs> yeah he broke into rohan's house earlier and <laughs> snuck dice in <laughs> Okay, I I want to revisit a point that I made in the very first episode of Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die. Mm-hmm. Because I was wrong, and I must now correct myself. Okay. What I said was, there are moments, very, very early days in, in like, even pre-Vampire Dio days, 
mm-hmm. where uh, they, they lay out a philosophy of fights where it is all like predicting moves, the, the, the chess match metaphor, right? Be- being able to yeah. snatch victory by knowing what your opponent will do before they even know. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, JoJo is JoJo from the very beginning. And I was right for the wrong reasons. <laughs> because the early fight that actually matches what JoJo would become is the boxing match in their youth. Yes. Yeah. It's it's the thumb to the eye. It's staking out every teeny tiny possible advantage, every little marginal bit that adds up <laughs> to victory in the end. That's what a JoJo fight is. That's yep. where it comes from. Yeah. God, like I love this is the fight of this episode. Yeah. Just <laughs> yes. fucking just trying to scam Rohan out of money. So yeah, Rohan has grabbed the the dice that he does not know is an alien. <laughs> and they they roll one die to see who goes first. And it's it's a 4, so Josuke uh, rolls a 6. So he's going first. And uh, essentially the way this dice game goes, uh, in general and in their specific rules posted up on on the post here, Mm -hmm. uh, what you roll determines how many times your bet uh, uh, you either receive or pay to the other person. Yeah. Normal rolls, you you, you know, get back or lose what you you have, but super unlikely rolls, you can either pay more or win multiples of. Like, Mm. say, triple six pays out five times what you put in the pot, which is what Josuke rolls immediately. (laughs) Yeah, and he freaks out like this, like he's just thinking to himself, this alien has got to be fucking more subtle than this. It's super (laughs) obvious I'm cheating. (laughs) Also, like right before... Josuke rolls like Rohan flicks one of the die mm-hmm. at at Josuke and you can just barely hear the alien just go like ow <laughs> and Josuke of course has to play it off like I am ready to play all right <laughs> yeah Josuke's rolled the triple six also known as an omen in the game and then Rohan rolls one two three the unluckiest uh, possible yeah. things so he's paying out multiples of, of his stake and mm-hmm. like you know what maybe the elf wouldn't be pushing it so hard if you weren't so uncomfortable being six tiny dice <laughs> it seems like that sucks mm-hmm yeah, this is the the cliffhanger of this episode. Yeah. Rohan is immediately suspicious of Josuke. The cliffhanger is that Josuke is too good at dice. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to episode 28, Highway Star, part one. And Rohan takes out a magnifying glass to inspect a die and, and insists, it seems like it's staring at me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. When he is staring at the die... Like on the, one of the faces opposite from him that he can't see, you can see just tiny little eyeballs poking out of the 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 holes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the little black dots. So eventually, he just says "hmm" and gives up, sets the the uh, magnifying glass aside, and is like, "Okay, Josuke, your turn." But he's suspicious. His suspicions are raised, especially when he rolls three sixes again. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you should have laid this plan out in a bit more detail, you know, playing yeah. some specifics. He's not psychic like Okuyasu, okay? Yeah, yeah. Rohan is surprisingly calm looking. He takes a sip of like his beer and he's just like, well, it's v- extremely unlikely, but hey, sometimes you just roll three sixes two times in a row back to back. It's fine. Josuke is also having nervous tense giggles. They're they're both having the the least mirthful laughter I have <laughs> ever heard. 
it's like a split screen of both of them laughing and it just keeps zooming in closer and closer on their faces until Rohan grabs a pen and stabs his own pinky off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's about to explain why he does this, but let me just tell you, the listener, I don't know why he does this. <laughs> I don't know why he does it either. <laughs> but yeah, we go into the OP. And when we come back, yeah, he's completely, he's like nearly severed his pinky off. And Josuke's like, what the fuck was that? So he wants to beat JoJo's ass at gambling so bad mm-hmm. that he's essentially betting body parts to keep Josuke from just taking his chips and running out. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand the play here, but <laughs> Rohan feels real confident about it. So I'm going to let it slide. Yeah. It's different in the English dub, but there's a Japanese subtitle here when Rohan is explaining. There's a part where he just says, I get so mad when I think of you being secretly happy behind my back. <laughs> He's a <laughs> shitty guy. He's a bad, he bad man. He sucks. <laughs> and Josuke is just like, the fuck? Just give me your hand. I'll heal it right now. This is weird. <laughs> and Rohan is just like, no. My pinky will stay severed for now. <laughs> so Rohan somehow, in the flash of a moment, he did not... How could he have possibly known he was going to be playing dice with the Pompadour boy today? He couldn't have known. Mm. But he has this elaborate setup because Tamami rolls up. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Lockman, not been seen since he got his ass laid out by Surface, presumed dead he's been missing so long. Yeah, yeah. That's why he wasn't at the big stand meeting with Raimi forever ago, because he was still in the hospital. He got beaten up that badly. <laughs> and he is there to offer his professional services, I guess. So, so Rohan's goal here is not even to win his money back. He doesn't care. He's willing to just throw out either two or two hundred million yen this is a sub dub difference uh, like mm-hmm. literally two orders of magnitude how, how big this envelope is to josuke just to, to keep him on the hook he needs to figure out how he's being cheated mm-hmm. and so tamami's instructions are to use the lock to to just clamp down josuke's heart if he doesn't cheat if he feels guilty about not being guilty <laughs> <laughs> in order to escape his guilt Yes, yeah. That I had memory of this episode where it's just like, okay, he'll get caught cheating if the lock clamps down on him because he's cheating. No, it's the opposite. No, the lock the will opposite. clamp down on him if he cheats by hiding his cheating that he's previously done. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He's got to live next door or something. Like, this is Johnny on the spot service. Also, like, there's a whole deal between him and Rohan about, like, payment. Mm-hmm. Like, he he either gets 20% of the winnings or some magnitude of yen, whichever one is the largest payment in the mm-hmm, end. Mm-hmm. Like, the, when he's talking about this, it sounds like Rohan had hired Tamami earlier for another purpose. And this is just the general agreed-upon payment plan for whatever's going on. (laughs) Well, yeah, because uh, uh, apparently loan sharking didn't work out for him. Uh, I mean, informing uh, uh, our heroes about stand business really didn't work out for him. So now he's in the repo business. So so now it's Rohan's turn, and he rolls a three, a three, and a four. The first non-suspicious score all night. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the, the elf has gotten dizzy from the way that, that Rohan shakes up the dice in his hands before tossing, and is now puking out of the pips. 
<laughs> yeah, there's just Josuke looks at the 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 dice in his hand, and yeah, there's just little bits of puke coming out of like the number three. <laughs> <laughs> and Rohan is you know still extremely suspicious, and he's just like, you can't, don't close your your hand with the dice in there. I want to be able to see the dice at all times. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as this is happening, there's another fire or something happening nearby. Tamami can hear fire truck sirens in the distance, and so now there are hives breaking out on the dice. <laughs> Apparently, in the the adaptation, uh, there were a whole lot more of Rohan's Uh, little tests that Josuke had to cover for or distract from. Like, they could have made just a a full episode out of this while we will eventually get to other stuff, as the episode's title would suggest. Yeah. But one I wanted to uh, share was, removed the scene with Rohan about to bite the die to test its hardness. (laughs) Until Josuke stops him by saying he forgot to wash his hands after taking a dump earlier. (laughs) Great. Oh, what could have been? What could have been? So yes, there's fire trucks. So so Josuke can't, like, leave. He can't expose this. He's just got to, like, hope and pray his elf friend uh, uh, can hold it together. So he rolls triple sixes because obviously his Mm -hmm. uh, uh, collaborator wants to get out of here as quick as possible, drain that jackpot. No, no time for subtlety because yes, the yeah. the, pit, the die is breaking out in hives. Luckily, luckily, <laughs> not on the faces facing Rohan. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, the, this uh, Rohan is suspicious that another triple six has been rolled. His hand is slowly descending to grab the die, and you see on the side where all the hives are and stuff, like, just a lot of puke, just puking out of every (laughs) hole in this dice all over the place. Did you ever think, (laughs) did you ever think you would be saying, quote, puking out of every hole? (laughs) No. And that's why I like JoJo. <laughs> and so as Rohan's hand is slowly descending to pick up the, all these uh, dice, uh, Tamami's like, the sirens are getting closer. And you just see fire trucks pull up right behind them. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I know where the fire is. It's Rohan's house. <laughs> and it's just, he just points and the house is just fucking ablaze. Not just the house, but the porch they are sitting on. <laughs> Yeah, it, there are the, huge roaring flames two feet to his left. <laughs> yeah, no, how focused are you that you don't notice? Yeah, the the house caught on fire because of the Rohan's magnifying glass he was using earlier had focused some sunlight or something and just ignited the whole damn house. Damn, that's a good magnifying glass. Yeah, and as like Rohan looks at his house, you know, away from the dice for a second. The dice shoot up into the air and just turn into a big wad of like alien taffy that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Josuke grabs in his arms and then he just starts booking it. He runs with it like he's stealing a Tangela from Team Rocket and (laughs) and just like boops the the pinky fixed as as he's on his way. Yeah, and Rohan gets permission. Yeah, Rohan gets pissed off saying, like, you can't heal my injuries without permission. Like, he just wanted his finger to keep hanging there. (laughs) Uh, Josuke and the alien book it. Rohan loses half of his house with at an estimated loss of 700 million yen or 7 million in the dub. I don't understand. Like I don't know. That one doesn't even have lip flaps to match. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Uh but but yes, the great Rohan Kishibe would rather lose everything than be tricked. Yeah. Today at least 700 million yen would be a little over 6 million dollars. Uh <laughs> 
se- only seven million would be sixty like sixty one thousand dollars. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Rohan's got a big house. He's got a big. I mean, it depends on how. It, it depends on how valuable some of the things inside the house were, which we will talk about <laughs> soon. <laughs> yes, this detail I completely forgot about is so fucking funny. Uh, so ac- across town, in in, an- in another very significant house entirely, little Hayato uh, uh, come, comes home, uh, uh, welcomed by the sounds of Moriocho Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, giving a news report about a motorcycle crash at a tunnel. I'm assuming all these news updates will be important sometime. Mm-hmm. And I am again proven right. We, we will learn about that later. Uh, he, he comes home to see his mother, Shinobu, mixing up a batter, which again is like, it's fucking weird. Mom never cooks. Mom's right. cooking. Mom's wearing lipstick. Mom's happy. This shit is fucked up. How dare my mom be happy? <laughs> Hayato goes upstairs to his bedroom. And his eyes are, like, always half-lidded. Like, he just looks completely soulless at Mm -hmm, all times. mm -hmm. And he sits down at his desk and turns his TV on and activates his security network that he has set up in his parents' house. And he's got cameras installed in, like, every room in the house. And he's playing back video video footage of last night when his mom was getting real horny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he just thinks to himself, it's been a while since mom got naked in front of dad. This is weird. This is so fucking gross. I don't like yeah. it. I d- yeah. Do you keep a schedule? Are you counting? You freak? Uh, but uh, actor notes, Haito mm-hmm. shares an English voice with Bianca Carlisle from Gundam Thunderbolt. Oh, shit. Nice. Yeah. 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 Her voice sounded familiar to me. And his Japanese voice is the current Sailor Mars. Oh, Okay. Yeah, but yes, he's watching this footage. He scrubs back even farther to hear, uh, quote-unquote, Dad lamenting his fate at the hands of two JoJo's. Yeah. I don't know if we've said the name of the guy that Kira has assumed the identity of. It's uh, Kosaku Kawajiri mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is the name. Yeah, he, he overhears this little bit uh, from his quote-unquote dad. He's not, like, super suspicious of it yet, but he's, like, you hear Hayato's thoughts, and he's just wondering, am I really the child of two love- <laughs> of two parents who love each other, or something like that? Seems weird. Couldn't be me. Uh. Yeah, but we go back to the next day, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, Josuke is meeting up with the alien again, or, or rather just kind of stumbles across him, walking around town, and uh, the alien's mom calls for him, who, who calls him by the name uh, Mikitaka. And the alien, <laughs> Mikitaka, claims that uh, I am blending in with human society perfectly. I have brainwashed this woman to think I am her son. It's going great. <laughs> <laughs> who could say? Who knows? Nobody knows. Who knows? And like his mom's just like, oh, are you telling people you're an alien again? You're so wacky. <laughs> This caused problems at his last school. That's why we had to move. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. And then uh, the camera pans up and we see Papa Kira going like, what the fuck? Is that guy really an alien? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what to believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but he is content knowing that he has yet another powerful warrior about to, to bring to bear upon these, these boys and, and protect his son. The arrival of Highway Star is nigh. Whoa. 
uh, which in the English dub has been changed to Highway Go-Go. Highway Star is a song by Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. So it turns out they have at least two songs. Who knew? No. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> Josuke is, is getting on the bus to go wherever he's going today. And mm-hmm. wouldn't you know it, on that bus is Rohan and they have tension. <laughs> <laughs> and Josuke is just like, oh, so sorry about that fire. Was that a, like a big loss for you? And Rohan says, in the the subs at least, the big fire was just like the movie Pretty Woman. Which makes no sense to me. Yeah. There's no fire in Pretty Woman. In the English dub, it makes much more sense because he clarifies about 250 million yen worth of furniture was burned. And a lot of those furniture pieces I had were used in the movie Pretty Woman. Which also doesn't make that much sense to me. (laughs) Who is looking at the furniture in Pretty Woman? (laughs) I don't know. The jewelry, famously. The costumes, sure. But the furniture? (laughs) Who's who's looking at Richard Gere sitting on a chair and thinking, I need that chair? Rohan, apparently. (laughs) Apparently, he's just that big of a fan of Pretty Woman. He had to have the furniture used in the sets. (laughs) I love it. What the fuck? What a weird fucking detail to put in. By furniture from the movie Pretty Woman. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's all lost. That's why they never made Pretty Woman 2. They couldn't get the furniture back. (laughs) Yeah, the the linchpin of the entire story of Pretty Woman 2 was going to be the furniture. Now it's gone, so. You can't just recreate the furniture. (laughs) No. Those were one-of-a-kind pieces. So they are riding this bus together along with a number of anonymous bus riders. This bus route takes them through a tunnel, and Rohan is looking out the window of the tunnel, and he sees lights pass by, like, uh, uh, you know, street lights in the darkness. But these aren't street lights. They're just rectangles of something. And as mm-hmm. they go by again and again, he sees, he sees that they're a door and a window, a window into a house inside the tunnel wall. Yeah, the the door is ajar and he can see inside. Yeah, in this house, inside this tunnel, is a big table with a giant like candelabra on it and mm-hmm. what appears to be an unconscious or dead woman on the table. Yes, uh, wearing a, a dress, patterned stockings with her legs. Like, uh, uh, she's clearly being victimized in one way or another. And yeah. in a minute, we see a, a faceless, or, or not faceless, but a, a, the back of a man uh, cutting her hand off. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty clear in what way she's being victimized. Yeah. The person cutting her hand off from behind looks a lot like Kira. Mm-hmm. Rohan is freaking out. Like, when he sees the, the hand get cut off in a flash, like, there is blood splatter that hits the window of the bus. Mm-hmm. However, nobody else can see it. And it's not just a stand user thing. Josuke can't even see it. Mm -hmm. And so Rohan is is spooked thinking, was that, you know, a new stand user doing that shit? Did the person I just see in that room, was that the the new identity of Kira? And we we cut to another interstitial. Instead of a stand user, it's another one of the landmarks in Morio. And this time it is the Twin Forests Tunnel. Yes, the the street tunnel that the bus is driving through is this week's landmark. Congratulations. Mm. Yay. So uh, back in the action, it's it's later in the day and Rohan has returned to the tunnel. He took his motorcycle to go check it out solo after failing to convince Josuke that it wasn't an elaborate vengeance trap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He asked him to come along and he's like, no. (laughs) 
I don't, no. I don't trust you. I'm going into a dark tunnel with you alone. This is absolutely a prank or a trap. Like, <laughs> no, no. I just set your house on fire. No. <laughs> and so, so Rohan has come back to this tunnel on a sweet ass motorcycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got a motorcycle. And he's cruising on through, looking for this door, looking for this window, and he does not find them. And he's like, what the fuck? He gets off. He's like, it was around here somewhere, but now it's not here. What? How strange. And as he leans against the wall of the tunnel, he falls straight through because I guess he did find the door, just didn't look like one. Yeah. And so, yeah, he he has fallen into this room that just looks like a room of a house. kind of Very cozy like, room. Yeah, very warm in here. Like, kind of like, it's all old, older wooden furniture. Including this large freestanding cabinet. Yeah. That is open, ju- just a slight crack. The door is open, ju- just a bit ajar. And there's mm-hmm. some strange, strange noises coming out of it. And Rowan's like, ah, oh, shit, this fucking sucks. I gotta go. Yeah, he immediately sprints out of there. Uh, he's just like, this room's a trap, fuck this. And as he's propping his motorcycle up, he can hear like rapid, like stomping noises, but he's seeing like there's nothing there. So he's speeding away, thinking like, I gotta talk to Mr. Joestar, which I thought was interesting, that Joseph would be the person that he wants to bring this to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you figure Jotaro is the expert, Koichi is the closest thing he has to a friend. <laughs> Yeah. But, okay, yeah, Joseph, why not? All right. And so he's he's speeding away. He's going pretty fast, like 60 kilometers an hour. And he starts hearing this rapid thumping noise catching up to him from behind. And he sees what is chasing him is... Feet. Feet. It's feet. <laughs> like, like, not like fully, like, 3D feet either. They're just kind of like flat slices of, like, footprints. Mm-hmm, and they're just mm-hmm. going... They're just going real fast, just the chasing after him. The feet are, are yeah. jogging behind him. So, so he goes as fast as he can, and he realizes that, like, okay, these feet max out around 60 kilometers an hour. Yeah. At something like 45 miles an hour. It's Yeah. <laughs> Some fast feet. Those are fast feet. So, okay, I've, as long as, you know, I, I keep dry, riding on my bike, I'll eventually get, I'll eventually get to a, a range limit, right? He doesn't. It never happens. <laughs> yeah, the feet just keep going. There's a there's a like a semi truck coming the the other way that he almost crashes into. So he mm-hmm. swerves out of the way, and unfortunately, swerving out of the way slows him down just enough for a second that the feet are able to catch up to him, and like two or three of them leap at Rohan and like embed themselves halfway into his back. Yes, he is climbed by the feet and then penetrated by the toes. <laughs> puking from every hole yeah (laughs) and they're they're pulsing away his strength the vitality is draining from him in this really cool effect that this great like visual language for showing that his his bones and his uh, uh major blood vessels are like drawn on a layer that uh, uh, Rohan's whole like flesh and and everything is drawn above, and yeah. then that layer just in these pulses goes transparent with like thrum thrum thrum. So you see yeah. the bones poking out. It looks so cool. It's really cool looking. I love it, especially around the mouth, and you get like the teeth coming through. Yes. Oh, oh it's good. The sound design for this stand is really cool too. All it's it's all really bassy thrums and stuff. It's it just sounds dope. 
But yeah, as Rohan's going to like, oh, shit, it's like sucking my life energy away. Uh, we cut to outside the tunnel. Well, hey, Josuke's here. He decided, all right, maybe there's something to this tunnel. Yeah, he decided to make things right. Like, okay, even if it is a trap, I kind of owe him. And then he is greeted by a riderless motorcycle shooting out of the tunnel like a <laughs> rocket. Yeah, and it just like crashes and, and breaks into pieces. And he's like, oh, okay, yep, there's a stand here. Rohan's in trouble. <laughs> Another really cool like visual element here is the stand, which is just a whole bunch of little like soles of feet they all like stack up onto each other and eventually form the full body of the stand these feet assemble themselves as if they are slices of man yeah and and they become this blue muscle hunk with like a a crisscross like fucking court jester in blue sort of pattern yeah and he has a pharaoh style beard (laughs) i guess but it looks more like a zipper pull than anything Mm -hmm. And he announces, you shall become my nourishment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Rohan pulls out Heaven's Door, opens up some pages on the palm of Highway Star here, gets the name of the stand. Learns everything we know about this stand immediately. Like, there there are no mysteries left for this guy other than how, how to fight him. Yeah. If someone goes into that room the stand conjures, they will be marked as a target and will be chased like endlessly by these feet until they are drained of their you're gonna hear this word a lot in the english dub they're gonna get sucked dry of their nutrients (laughs) my nutrients (laughs) oh no my riboflavin i need it no damn it i just took a vitamin d today my daily Uh, recommended amount of zinc is (laughs) flying away no all my flintstones Not my mono-unsaturated lipids! Ah. <laughs> and so, even though Rohan has gotten this information, he is already so weak from having his energy drained that he can't fight back in any real way. Mm-hmm. He can't even reach the, the pages to write down an order on the stand. I mean, it, it even says inside the handbook, if it touches you, then it has no weaknesses. Yes, yeah. Sure, fine, whatever. Yep. Uh, so... <laughs> I don't like this stand very much. Honestly, I'm just going to come out right now and say I mm-hmm. think it's got too many things. I agree. I, I I remember, like, when I think of Highway Star, I just remember, oh, it's like feet that just chase you endlessly. And they, they drain your energy if they touch you. And I thought, okay, yep, that's a stand power. And then I remember, like, wait, there's, like, a room in a tunnel that's also the stand ability and makes a room? Okay, w- one thing I'm going to spoil because we don't learn it until later, but there, there's basically three things going on with this stand. It has mm-hmm. the the curiosity uh, uh, trap room. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, got the, the constant hunter thing going on, and it eats your uh, uh, nutrients in order to uh, uh, feed and, and restore the user. Those are the three yeah. things, and they should have picked two. I agree. Any two. I I wish this was just it chases you and it it sucks out your life energy to heal the user. I think those two work pretty good. And I like the idea of like a stand that's a room and it's a trap. And that should have just been an entire stand on its own. It's just a trap room. Yeah. Like the JoJo escape room that existed. 
and the escape room was the stand. Like, that's it. That's that's a good enough premise on its own. I do love the way it is assembled out of slices, like a, a getting a, a meat at the de- deli counter in reverse. That yeah. I like. That's very good. Yeah. As Rohan is getting his energy drained, Josuke starts to enter the tunnel and goes like, yo, Rohan, are you here? And that makes the stand go like, oh, shit, it's Josuke. And he pulls Rohan deeper into the, t- into the tunnel, back into the room it's created. And that's where Josuke finds him. Josuke f- sees for the first time the, the magic bait room. And inside that room is Rohan clearly having a bad time. Like he, oh, he's yeah. limp. He, he's not himself. But uh, uh, Josuke cannot see Highway Star hiding, crouched behind him. Yeah. Highway Star is trying to like make a deal with Rohan. Like, hey, you do- I bet you don't even like this guy that much. Like, if mm-hmm. you just lure him in here, you know, maybe I won't suck out all of your energy and I'll let you live. It's not as if you two actually care about each other, right? <laughs> right? So Rohan kind of acts like, ooh, he, he likes this deal for mm-hmm, a second mm-hmm. before having a really good shot where Rohan's face is in shadow and like as the camera pulls closer, it just turns into like a one-to-one recreation of the panel where he says, fuck you, no. <laughs> it's so good. It's black and white and, and everything. It looks so great. And he has this just like a- another really character-defining moment for Rohan. Uh, you should know that one of Rohan Kashibe's favorite pastimes is saying no to people who think they're tough shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds about yep. right. <laughs> and so Rohan tells Josuke, like, hey, fucking leave. Don't go in here. It's a damn trap. And Josuke goes like, oh, well, since you said that, I'm going to walk inside because you suck. <laughs> I'm not one to do as I'm told. Now let me at this dickwad. Another very character-defining moment for JoJo. <laughs> yeah. I'm anti-authority, but only when it means I get to help people. So yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and so Josuke takes like two steps into the room, and Rohan's just like, God damn it, you always do the opposite of what I say. This sucks. Fuck you. Just as Highway Star is about to like sink his fucking feet into josuke rohan uses heaven's door on josuke and writes in i will travel out of this room at like 70 kilometers an hour (laughs) and so he just rockets out of the tunnel he's just moved by just a magical invisible force it's it's not that he is now compelled to run that fast or or anything like yeah he just goes he just goes yeah he just gets force pushed out So out of the tunnel, he uh, uh, fixes the bike, gets on it, and just blasts out, uh, uh, burning like hell in order to find the stand user and punch this guy to save Rohan's life. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it. That's the ending. Uh, We get the ending credits for the first time uh, uh, in this set. Yeah. And I I just like that the the cliffhanger is Josuke, like, doing a popping a wheelie in this motorcycle as there's just, like, three dozen feet in the sky above him. It's just really funny. Oh, boy. Episode 29, Highway Star Part 2. He is flooring it to outpace a cloud of footprints. <laughs> this whole episode is basically uh, JoJo doing sweet bike stunts. Oh, yeah. it's I like this episode a lot just for that. But yeah, uh is pretty happy. It's like, hey, this isn't so bad. Like, the bike, this bike goes fucking fast. Like, I can just outrun these footsteps for forever, basically, until I run out of gas. And, like, I can outpace it 
enough that I can probably take some time to do research on the stand user. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he just he just needs to find a phone. He's got to find out what's special about the tunnel, what's special about the stand user, and he knows who's going to help him. Got to get Koichi on this. Oh yeah, got to get the good boy, the good boy researcher. He's the only person we've seen doing research. He probably put together that dossier that uh, Jotaro just got. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's got a part-time job with the Speedwagon Foundation. Nobody's oh, asked him. He just... he just showed up one day and just pretended like he worked there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that newfound confidence he's got now that he's he's got a girlfriend. That's you three see times that haircut? Size. That's a boy with a part-time job. <laughs> Josuke's in in town now. Outpaced the the foot the footsteps long enough. Mm-hmm. He's just like I could just stop at a payphone and just like call up Koichi. Here we go. He's done his basic algebra enough to know that at the pace he's going for the time he's been keeping it, uh, uh, he has two minutes bought before the the chasing feet catch up to him. Except the feet just suddenly materialize like like 10 feet in, away from him. Is this the first time we've had a stand user like strategically dismiss and then re-summon? Uh, uh, I think so. I think so. In, in order yeah. to extend their range and, and like move faster than their speed? Yeah, I've always kind of wondered when someone would do that. And that this is the fight where it happens. But the feet don't immediately know where Josuke is. They're just in the general vicinity of him. And so the feet are sniffing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their little toes are wiggling, and you can hear little sniff-sniff noises like they have noses. <laughs> see see their feet that smell. <laughs> uh, uh, I get it. And so there's a bit where the feet do start to pick up on Josuke's scent. And like one of the feet, its little big toe points up like it's a little like hunting dog. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like pointing to where the the ducks are or whatever. It's really funny, and so Josuke goes, "Well, fuck, can't call Koichi now." And so he hops back on the bike, and oh shit, there's a red light coming up, and also there's a woman and with a baby in a carriage crossing the road, and I'm going to slam directly into them. So Jojo is faced with the weirdest trolley problem, uh, and he comes up with the strangest solution. <laughs> I love it because he doesn't want to slow down. No, then he's dead. He wants to keep his momentum going while also not killing this woman and her baby. So he punches his own motorcycle. A thousand times so it explodes into chunks. And all these chunks get catapulted around and above the woman and her baby. All Josuke is holding on to now as he flies through the air are the handlebars. Mm -hmm. There's a, a bit where the baby is looking up at the sky, and he sees in slow motion Josuke just flying over him, and Josuke makes eye contact with the baby. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm pretty cool, huh? And yeah, after all the parts clear, the woman and her baby, he uses Crazy Diamond to reassemble the bike midair, and it's still going fast. (laughs) Just in time to keep him from spilling his brain all over the pavement. Yeah. And then just a, a quick cut back to a, a very frightened young mother and a very happy baby. Baby loves this shit. The baby loves motorcycle tricks, Espe- <laughs> especially paranormal mi- motorcycle tricks. Uh, and, and that's when the, the OP comes in. And now Josuke is still bombing around town, trying to maintain his speed downtown, which is uh, uh, a challenge in itself. But also mm-hmm. there is a businessman. There is a businessman on the sidewalk getting some vitally important instructions from his boss, 
who is obviously, at least in the dub, voiced by Joseph Joestar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) There was some anime I was watching a couple weeks ago that was from like the early 90s. Oh, it's the Street Fighter 2 movie. (laughs) And I was, there's a part where E Honda, the big sumo wrestler from Street Fighter, gets introduced. And I was like, this voice, this guy sounds so familiar. Is he from some other really like older anime? And no, it is the voice, the English dub voice of Joseph Joestar. He has been doing shit since the early 90s. (laughs) And he voiced E Honda. And I was so happy when I looked it up and it's like, that's fucking him. He sounds exactly the same. It's great. 30 years later. I just want to pretend that this guy is Joseph and he's just this this is how he treats his employees. <laughs> when, yeah. Whenever he's yelling at people that work for him about these billion yen deals, he sounds like he's 20, 30 years younger. I mean, he you know, he's a real estate mogul. Maybe he's ex- expanded out into Japan now that he's he's hanging mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. here. He's he's immediately hired up a new workforce. <laughs> There's a new plot of land near Rohan's that's going to be available soon, I hear. Uh <laughs> If we could just get the other half of the building burned down. If only Avdol were still here. Do you think they did a lot of insurance scams when they were younger? (laughs) I can imagine a younger Joseph Joestar absolutely doing insurance fraud, but I don't know about Avdol. He seemed like a good boy his whole life. Like how some babies are born evil, Avdol was born the nicest baby. (laughs) Just just like an evil Avdol AU, where instead of trapping Iggy, he becomes Iggy's enforcer. <laughs> yeah. Running the dog gangs of New York. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, so anyhow, th- this businessman is not going to get this important call to seal a billion yen deal because Josuke has stolen his phone. <laughs> yeah, he speeds by and just yanks it out of his hand and you get a little scene of the guy still talking as if his phone was there and then he opens his eyes and goes like oh what the fuck no my billion yen deal or whatever <laughs> ruined uh but as josuke snatched the phone like the phone got all fucked up mm-hmm. and i keep thinking just right? fix the phone yeah just fix it's your whole thing it's very like, dumb. He's like, oh, no, it's broken. Like, I thought it would have made more sense if, like, he grabbed the phone, but he didn't have a good grip on it, and it fell out of his hand. And it's yeah, just like, well, yeah. shit, I need another phone now. I can't mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. back and get it. But for very stupid reasons, we need to do this gag a second time so it really lands. But this time, yeah. it's a young man on a cell phone on the sidewalk talking to his girlfriend who's ready to leave because she she's here for commitment, dang it. And you, you better... Uh, uh, do a big uh, uh, gesture now or we're over, mister. And he's like, okay, time to propose right now. Deep breath, here comes. Whoops, my phone got stolen. <laughs> also, the clothes this man is wearing are fucking weird. <laughs> pink shoes, pink pants, long button-up shirt, too long, too big for him. That's like violet with darker purple circles on it. And then a like salmon vest on top of that with like white and yellow diamonds and a black stripe down the middle. It is fucking weird looking. Who would marry this man? No one. He didn't get a no chance one. to propose. So yeah, Josuke swiped another phone uh, and he just hangs up on that woman and we cut to, what's Koichi doing? He's trying to give his dog police a walk. Police and cannot walk. <laughs> police He's giving is, police a drag. 
<laughs> yeah, police is ab- completely dead asleep. He's huge. And so Koichi is just like dragging this dog an inch at a time. <laughs> I, it's it's very funny. He's a lumpy boy. Oh. It's very funny how lumpy and, and floppy this huge sleepy dog is. He's bigger than Koichi is. Like So so the phone rings and Koichi has to rush inside to get it, abandoning his his immobile dog out on the porch. And yeah. it's his good friend Josuke who's calling to say, Hey, uh, what do you know about this tunnel? There's stands in it and Rohan's yeah. gonna die. <laughs> You like him, right? Do you care that he's... Go- oh, you actually care? Okay, okay. Okay, you kind of sort of care about... All right, sure. Koichi is trying to do some research, and so he brings up uh, a newspaper that has an article in it about that tunnel from, like, a day or so ago. Remember that? Like, you pointed out mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, radio story that was playing an episode or two ago about the crash that happened in the tunnel. Yeah, there was a biker who like, suddenly crashed in there and is now hospitalized. Koichi and and Josuke are thinking, oh, that must have been another victim of the stand. Josuke's trying to keep Koichi on the line, but he is driven so far, he's about to go into the ocean. (laughs) One quick thing we neglected to mention here, uh, Koichi had a hunch that the hospitalized biker is indeed the stand user, not a previous victim, and a later bit of his research convinces Josuke of the same. Anyway, back to bike stunts. He is, he is in the shipping yards, he's about to drive straight into the water. So Josuke shows off his, his racing skills, essentially, you know, he, mm-hmm. you, you've seen motorcycle races, how the, their bikes go practically parallel with the ground, they, they turn so tight. They're, they're dragging their knee on the ground almost, they're leaning so hard to the side. Yeah, Josuke does that. And he's fucking up his knee real bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he is still surrounded by dead ends. He's not just by the ocean, he's down on like the port pier, so like he's surrounded on all sides. Yeah. While the the stand he's fighting might have a couple too many powers, I like everything Josuke does in the chase. Yes. Because it's just a big showcase of like, what are more cool things he can do by breaking and fixing things? So he's driving parallel to a concrete wall and uh, uh, Crazy Diamond just punches the shit out of it, leaving a bunch of rubble behind him. And then in an instant, all that rubble gets formed together to form a a new wall that is just a great big barrier that uh, Josuke can crouch down and hide behind with his bike. Yeah, and all the feet slam up against this big concrete wall and they're all confused and just like sniffing. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they, they, just that wall itself is enough to block Josuke's scent long enough that he can uh, try and figure something out. Yeah, we're, we're at a bit of an impasse, a bit of a, a pause in, in you know, the, the high octane action while Josuke is trying to think his way out of this and Koichi is trying to violate medical privacy ethics. <laughs> and- yep. Meanwhile, Papa Kira is just flying through the sky and just loving it. <laughs> it's all he has. It's all he's got. So You know, some people, when they retire, they get into oil painting or they, they travel. He makes stand users and watches them try to kill children. <laughs> and he loves it. He loves it. So, yeah, he, he is giving more of his stand philosophy uh, mm-hmm. about what's going on here. Uh, uh, talking about the way that stand's power comes from inner strength. 
And there is no inner strength stronger than, than the primal hunger to heal oneself. And that mm-hmm. is why Highway Star is the strongest of all stands. You, you will never escape it. You will never defeat it. Yeah. He also laments that he doesn't know where Josuke is right now, and he doesn't have the time to watch Josuke die, but he bet it owns. <laughs> <laughs> what is on your schedule? You made six guys. How many more guys do you need? Two of them are defeated. One had a very important day in his childhood, and the other turned out to just be pretty chill all along. <laughs> yeah. That's still three more guys we haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. So now all the feet assemble to become the, the highway star body again. Mm-hmm. And in this form, it has the devious ability to walk around a barrier. <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, and so he he leaps over this thin concrete wall that Josuke made and goes in for like a punch, but Josuke's already gone. Where's he gone? There is a big like drainage ditch below uh, that was, you know, draining right into the, the water and Josuke used Crazy Diamond to grab the motorcycle and hop down there and start driving down this drainage ditch back into town. Yeah, yeah, he he's essentially one level down uh, uh using service infrastructure like like these drainage culverts to to get back uh, uh, on land sweet land. Although now he's trapped in the culverts themselves as well as not knowing how they go. It's it's a maze down here. Yeah, they're splitting off in a bunch of different directions and who knows which one isn't a dead end or, you know, takes him in the correct direction does doesn't just take him back to the water. And then, oh boy, oh boy, that engine starts knocking. After testing a lot of different possibilities, he figures out it's because he's out of gas. Yeah, he's just like, oh no, I can't fix the bike. It, dude, and he doesn't check the, the fuel gauge there isn't on the motorcycle. One. Right, there isn't one. Generally, bikes don't have fuel gauges. This I is forgot. a little bit of Araki's explanation corner. There you go. I forgot. Josuke has to check the fuel by just punching a big hole in the gas tank and looking inside. Mm -hmm. That's how bikers do it. Yeah. 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 All bikers are incredibly strong. So yeah, he is out of fuel. And once he realized that he's just out of fuel, he's no longer worried. Mm -hmm. No Mm -hmm. big deal. I'm not owned one bit. So he looks directly at the camera. (laughs) says, quote, I can get out of this situation easy peasy, and then collides headlong at top speed into a wall. (laughs) Yeah. It's the most JoJo's Bizarre Adventure moment in, this is where JoJo's begins. This is it. This is it. Yeah. I'm not owned drives headfirst into a wall at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. (laughs) So when when he, he is saying that, you also see one level up, uh, above the the these drainage ditches uh he, there is a car parked there by one of these like buildings or whatever and so when he drives headfirst into this wall it catapults him up out mm-hmm. of the drainage ditch and he's now flying towards this car and he punches the uh passenger side of the car wide open so he can fly and land in the car mm-hmm. and as all these feet are chasing him he then uh, leans on the driver's side door and falls out of the car, slams the door shut, and now all of these feet are flying to this car, and he repairs the broken side of the car so it's fully enclosed with the feet trapped inside the car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hopefully locked. I don't know, but... Yeah. 
But this buys him enough time to then pull out th- that uh, broken bit of gas tank he had and then re-repair the whole bike around him where he stands. Yeah. Which is how he gets the bike back up on street level. Uh, uh, and then one last punch into the car's gas tank to to puncture it and uh, uh, siphon hoselessly uh, into <laughs> his bike gas. And now he's he's right as rain, ready to go. Yeah, that that's a fun sequence of uh, events with with Crazy Diamond. I, so I really good. like I really like him just pulling the motorcycle back up to his level just because he was holding on to one piece of it. That's mm-hmm, fun. Mm-hmm. That brings us to our mid-card of of Highway Star. Nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. And back with Koichi, he is arguing with the desk nurse who has no time for him. Yeah. This little man who wants to visit somebody after visiting hours, she suggests he comes back to see the optometrist because he clearly can't read that sign. Ooh, (laughs) burn. Damn. This lady's real pissed off. She's having a bad day at work, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Koichi is pleading i really need information about this one person that you know this person who crashed in the the this one tunnel and the nurse just like leans in and says like little shrimps like you annoy me so much koichi is like on his tippy toes to like look (laughs) look over the the reception desk here and she's like are your feet even touching the ground right now get lost so koichi turns around he's about to walk away and he summons Echoes Act Three to yeah. <laughs> to apply gravity on some very expensive bottles of like medicine or testing solutions that are on top of a shelf. Yeah, but Act Three doesn't say yes, Master. I will apply gravity to some very yes. expensive medicine. No, he says, "Okay, Master, let's kill the hoe." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is Act Three really into VTubers? <laughs> Maybe. And after he says, let's kill Daho, I believe he says, beach. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I had to look this up. And actually, no, that's that's exactly what it is in the original voice, too. Except it's, yeah. you know, the Japanese voice actor saying that in English, which is like yeah. Act 3's whole thing is being very vulgar in English in, in Japanese. Yeah. And so I guess that VTuber bit is a JoJo reference that I didn't know all this time. Yeah, it probably is. Oh, I should mention this on the podcast. Uh, I ordered a pizza yesterday and the pizza guy saw that I had JoJo paws on my TV and he said, nice taste in anime, sir. Was it was it this scene? Was it killed a hoe? Uh, no, it was just like a close up on Josuke, I think, but while he was uh, playing CeeLo with Rohan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's uh, thanks, pizza guy. Thank you. So this scene is it's it's fun. I if if there are people who love this scene, I get you. But it points out part of what I don't like about uh, the Act Three power shift mm-hmm. is that Act One and Act Two led to Koichi coming up with very clever solutions, and Act Three's ability leads to Koichi becoming an extortionist. <laughs> yeah, the, these big bottles or whatever are about to fall off the shelf and this woman is this nurse is holding them up and they are unnaturally heavy so she can't get them back on the shelf and he is just kind of yeah extorting her he's like leaning up against the wall just like oh geez it'd be a shame if those fell down i bet you get reprimanded for that after you said they were so expensive and you know 
basically extorting her into allowing him to visit this guy in the <laughs> hospital. So as soon as she gives the name and room number, Yuya, uh, Yuya Funagami, room 525, that mm-hmm. is when uh, Jojo crashes through the window on his bike and <laughs> into the elevator and Crazy Diamond pulls the door tight. Yeah, he just crashes at full speed into this this fucking elevator. It's great. It's just enough time for Koichi to repeat the name and room number as he goes by. Yeah. As he is trying to shut these doors with Crazy Diamond, a couple feet wedge themselves in between the, the doors and are they're sniffing, they're trying to get in, and thankfully Koichi spots the feet and mm-hmm. he can only use his three freeze on a single target. So he puts it on the highest up foot. So when it gets dragged down, it squishes all the other feet beneath it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, there is of course a swarm issue. So while uh, yeah. the elevator is free to move, nearly every other slice of highway star is free to follow it. Yeah. And it's just like slithering up through like air vents. <laughs> so Josuke's up on the fifth floor now, and he's getting really close to where Yuya is, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's more feet coming out and, Two of them embed themselves in Josuke's back, and he is already now, like, limping towards this hospital room. And this dude is... I I was not expecting him to be awake. Yeah. Like, the, the way I was expecting this plot to go is that the stand user is comatose, and then mm. uh, uh, he needs to feed on all these victims in order to, to regain his consciousness and his health. And that's why he's so, like, desperate and and determined. And, like, Josuke would save himself and Rohan by fixing him up. And then he th- this dude wakes up and he's like, oh, man, <laughs> I, I, I got to change my ways for the better. Th- thank you, good sir. Like, sort of a sort of a Josuke's version of Jankin Boy, right? Right. That's not what's happening. <laughs> this dude is a wide awake shithead who loves eating people. <laughs> yeah. And he's got uh, a trio of, like, fangirls who adore him. In uniform? Why are they all dressed in identical dresses They're in... with wooden swords? Yeah, they've got, like, training katanas with them. And when Josuke bursts in, this dude's, like, impressed that Josuke is able to find him. But he's super cocky and confident because he's already draining all the, the life out of Josuke. Like, Josuke just falls over flat on the ground. His fangirls are, like, poking him with their swords and stomping on him a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one last voice actor note for this week. First, the, for the English voice, we are going to be hearing a lot of this guy in the future. Mm-hmm. He returns to be the Part 5 JoJo. Oh, shit. Well, I haven't heard much of the English dub of Part 5 yet, so I wouldn't be able to recognize the voice too well. But that's that's fun. And his Japanese voice is the official dub for Fred in all Scooby-Doo projects. Huh. All right. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah, Josuke is, like, nearly defeated, just on the floor. He can't even, like, move, really. So the girls aren't even paying attention. Nobody's paying attention to him. They're all, like, clawing each other's eyes out so they can bring Yuya his next pee bottle. Yes, it's... This guy's like, man, I really got to piss. And all the girls are very excited to to help him piss. Uh, <laughs> and Yuya's just like, it doesn't matter whose turn it is. Just, God, what is, how is this phrase in English? It doesn't matter who does it, ladies. Just bring me that piss bottle and give me a hand. <laughs> and they're, everyone's just so excited about it, this man's time to pee. And... <laughs> 
So one of the other girls goes to like feed him a peach. And this dude's like, no, 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 no. I can tell that peach is rotten. And he's just like, well, lately, uh, my sense of smell has been getting really good. Presumably because he's getting like so much energy from other people or something. There's like a tiny disagreement here in this exchange where she's like, there's no way you could tell that from all way over there. And he's like, yeah, I could. Anybody could. Wait, not everybody could. Wait a minute. Do I have super smelling powers? And he gets really <laughs> contemplative at the idea he has the most niche superhuman ability. Yeah. And so this girl cuts into the peach and it's just like, yep, that peach is rotten on the inside. And then he's just like, yep, I'm good at smelling stuff. Sniff, sniff. <laughs> hey, are one of you girls on your period? I can smell period blood. And one of them <laughs> blushes. Cool. Great. Needed that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what in the fuck? This scene is so weird. <laughs> like, it's really funny, but it's just so fucking weird. And then, so he's just, like, testing out his stand-given smelling abilities. And he's like, what are you so fucking pissed off? I can smell, like, the adrenaline of hate wafting off you. And they're like, no, we love you. We love you so much. We are all happier than we've ever been in our entire lives. We're elated to have you pee in a bottle for us. (laughs) Please, pee in this. Why hold it? it. Pee! And so, yeah, as he's just going like, wow, somebody smells really angry. Who could it be? That's when Josuke walks into the frame. Mm-hmm. He He's back up because he basically gra- ripped out or like grabbed one of the IV drips for Yuya and just started sucking on it. <laughs> so now he has the nutrients replenished mm. that he was losing. I don't think that's how IV drips, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, the, the quote for, for Josuke's reemergence into the narrative, that full-bodied odor you're whiffing is courtesy of yours truly, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's every, everything is so much. Everything is yeah. to excess in this episode. Yeah. Yuya's like, well, who gives a shit? But like, Highway Star is hiding in like human form under my bed. Here he comes to grab you. And so Josuke just decks him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And points out that, oh, yeah, you can move at 60 kilometers an hour. Good for you. I've never really clocked it, but I bet from here I could move over 300 kilometers an hour. Yeah, I punch really fucking fast, dude. You cannot stop me. You cannot not get punched. What are you going to yeah. do? And so, uh, as so many tough guy stand users do, he retreats into his little shell. <laughs> you wouldn't mm-hmm. hurt a guy with glasses. You wouldn't hurt a guy with, like, eight compound fractures whose spine doesn't work, would you? Yeah. Like, I can't even move. I can't even scratch my ass right now, I think is what he says. You'd be such a coward. No, no real man would beat up somebody in a hospital bed. <laughs> Yeah, so Josuke's just like, that would leave a pretty bad taste in my mouth, actually. I would hate to hit a guy when, you know, he's so fucked up already. So, it's a good thing you're healed. <laughs> he he basically says, it's 12.01 a.m., and you're not the birthday boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he fully heals all of Yuya's injuries, and Yuya just, like, starts testing it out by, like, wiggling all of his arms and sitting up and going, like, oh, my God, I'm healed. Whoa! And then he gets oh, all shit. those injuries right back. 
yeah, yeah. It, it, the 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 short beat where Yuya doesn't realize he's been healed so he can get his ass kicked more <laughs> is really funny. And then it, the realization dawns on him, and that's the instant Josuke pummels him so much that he gets punched thirty feet out of a window and lands like five floors below in a water fountain and, and gets like just utterly fucked up. There's this fantastic flailing animation as he falls into the mountain, uh, into the fountain. <laughs> yes. He went all the way into the mountains. Fuck damn. You. No, as he falls out the window into the fountain, uh, just like, I don't know, very uh, reminiscent of studio trigger stuff. The, the very, Oh uh, yeah. Uh, exaggerated expressive poses. Yeah. Yeah, that does, I'm looking at it now, and that does look very slight trigger. Yuya has been utterly destroyed. Mm-hmm, uh, he's mm-hmm. been readmitted to the hospital again because he has even more injuries than he did before. Well, he didn't have far to go. He was in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to use Highway Star anymore because he's been so fucked up. And Josuke, after watching this guy get punched all the way down to the fountain, gives a sigh of relief. And I believe in the English dub, he says... Uh, I feel so invigorated. It feels like it's the early hours of New Year's Day, and I just put on a fresh pair of my favorite underwear. Fun fact, both of us watched this on New Year's Day. <laughs> Yay, we did, yeah. <laughs> uh, so so meanwhile, back at the tunnel, Rohan wakes up with the, the golden glow of the healing touch, and his first words are, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jotaro is also here in the background. <laughs> just kind of sitting there rohan kashibe refuses to learn the meaning of friendship <laughs> gonna tell you he never learns what friendship is <laughs> that's his character arc he just sucks so yeah rohan is trying to make it clear that like i don't owe you shit i owe you nothing you burnt my house down then after after that little exchange the narrator goes also by the way koichi walked his dog <laughs> It's such a bizarre non-sequitur ending, and it's not even the non-sequitur ending, because we get another Highway Star title card. Yep. And then Shinobu goes downstairs and into the basement and finds a strange cat she doesn't recognize, and that's the non-sequitur ending. (laughs) Yeah. There's just like a British blue hair or whatever, just chilling out. It's like the Can't Has Cheeseburger cat, the original meme cat. Yeah, the original one. And yeah, that to be continued, there's a cat in the house. <laughs> so uh, these episodes, pretty good, pretty good. Like, pretty good. Like I said, I would appreciate it if Highway Star uh, uh, had less going on. You know, I feel like yeah. in, in the pick two, I think you're right that it should have been just leave leave the bait house, leave the, the trap room to, to be a part of another stand or another stand on its own, because that's yeah. the part that really got shortchanged. Mm-hmm. Yuya is way more interesting than his stand, uh, uh, and he <laughs> made a really big uh, uh, impression for only being around for, what, like eight minutes yeah. <laughs> of the whole thing? Yeah, if, if that even. But yeah, Yuya is really fun. Despite Highway Star having a bit too much going on, I think the when the fight actually truly begins and it's just this is a stand that just chases you endlessly very fast mm-hmm. uh, and it just turns into speed. But Jojo, uh, yes, yes, that's when the, the fight gets pretty fun, especially mm-hmm. because it it's been a bit since we've seen Josuke do a whole lot of different stuff with Crazy Diamond in one fight. And this fight has so much of that. Yeah, no, this is a fantastic Crazy Diamond showcase. Yeah, it's it's great. 
honestly, th- this whole set is very uh, uh, Josuke focused in a fun way. That, like, there are times when it feels like he is being overshadowed by you know the the loudness of Okiyasu or the the sinister yet kind of on the side of the angels thing Rohan's got going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's good to have our our nominal protagonist actually be front and center for a stretch. It's it's fun. He's a good boy. Yeah. But yeah, the these episodes are good. I was looking forward to Highway Gogo or Highway Star rather just because I like that the stand is mostly just feet. Oh yeah. I I I like when Araki starts getting into the the stranger stand designs and like a whole bunch of feet that stack up into little slices that make up a guy that's fun <laughs> the the vulgarity seems to have really taken a step up <laughs> yeah and i know i know at some point jojo leaves weekly jump and goes to like a monthly magazine with like a slightly older demo. It f- is yeah. that around here or is the stretch know. around here? What causes that to happen? Like you gotta, you come on, man. Yeah. I don't know when it actually jump switch from one publication to another. You can't go right from, I want to touch your dick so bad. I'll give you a pee bottle to, Hey, which one of you ladies is on the rag? Come on. <laughs> yeah. You can't, yeah. You can't do that in this book anymore, man. So it was in Weekly Shonen Jump until 2004, which would have been... Yeah, so this was still in Weekly Shonen Jump. I guess the standards are not what I thought they were for that book. Yeah, it's currently, as of 2005, it's been published in Ultra Jump instead. 2004 would have been the beginning of Part 7. All the fucked up shit that happens in part five, that was still in weekly Shonen Jump. Wow. <laughs> part five is really gory. Like <laughs> it's it's got way more body horror stuff in it. Like that's a little surprising, damn. The uh next episode we'll be doing two episodes. Uh yes. we've got Cat's Love, Yoshikage Kira, and there's a gigantic four part coming up that crams so many fights into it so much shit is happening in this four-parter that there's no way to do any of it without leaving on a cliffhanger unless we did all four parts at once so what we're going to do is just do the first part so we can keep two three and four together as much of it together as possible yeah and that episode is called july 15th thursday part one (laughs) it's a busy day We, we we will be back next week talking about those two episodes episodes 30 and 31 I cannot believe we're getting to the the end bits of Diamond is Unbreakable already. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. We are getting pretty darn close to the first anniversary of uh, uploading these. And so we'll talk more about that in a few weeks when it Mm. happens. But but it's been a year of recording for us. I just looked at uh, the date when we first recorded on the, the, the Fancy Lads arc. The, the pre-vampire times of, <laughs> of part one. Oh, man. What a year it's, it's a, been. Right? 50, 53 weeks ago, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's real weird to think about pre-vampire JoJo. Mm-hmm. It feels like so long ago. I think going through the rest of part four, five, and six would almost be another year? Sounds about right. I think so. Yeah. Just reflecting on that, it's been... I mean, obviously, a lot has changed in the narrative, but oh yeah, no, it, it's been a wonderful, wonderful project. We're at a, roughly the halfway point mm-hmm. of JoJo's as it stands today, and so I'm I'm looking forward to another year. Absolutely, it's going to be really weird when eventually 
this podcast would get resurrected for when part seven gets animated and we just gotta <laughs> wait. <laughs> I'm curious actually if part seven will get animated sooner actually because there were some additional trademarks for part seven that were filed fairly recently, shortly after, before I think the part six anime debuted. So maybe because it's getting Netflix money, they're going to push for that stuff to get animated sooner because usually David Productions ends up doing several other projects before between each JoJo, so it's usually mm-hmm, mm-hmm. two-ish years in between each. But those cells gotta go to work. Yeah, <laughs> I I kind of enjoy cells at work actually, and cells at work cold code black the gritty one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a it's been a way to mark time in a year without time. Yeah, yeah, it's, man. Like like so many things that happened across uh, uh, twenty twenty one, a year seems like too little and too much. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we didn't do these projects and like Final Fantasy, by the time this episode is up, Final Fantasy seven will have been going again for a while. But like without that and this, it's just like I have no idea how I would tell time. <laughs> I guess by video game conferences that have to do with my job, <laughs> that's how I would mark it then. But <laughs> even then, it's still just like oof. What is time anymore? If you've enjoyed uh, uh, passing the months, going through a full cycle of the seasons with us, why don't you tell people about it? Uh, yeah. Ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and, and uh, uh, elsewhere really do help us out. Love to see them, love to read them. And uh, uh, apparently computers eat them for food. Uh, <laughs> and if the computer eats good food, the, then it, it pushes a little button that, that lets other people come find us too. And that's nice. Yeah. I hate the algorithm. <laughs> but yeah, if you're, depending where you're listening to this, if you want to recommend it to other people, we are on a bunch of different places. We're on our YouTube channel, which is Chip Cheesem LPs, that's LPS, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, something that's a lot more reliable and a little less terrifying than, than being in algorithmic hands, you can just talk to people. <laughs> you can just talk to people. You can find people uh, uh, in the world who are JoJo curious, JoJo fans, uh, or people just interested in something in between unvarnished fanish appreciation and media analysis. I don't think we really <laughs> do media analysis, but we gesture at no. it. We certainly gesture yeah. at it. We think about JoJo maybe more than a lot of people do when they watch JoJo. (laughs) And I think that's a fun space to be in. And I think it's a space that a lot of people enjoy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell people about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, also, uh, if you like the podcast, if you like the Let's Plays we do and stuff, sometimes we got to buy new equipment and stuff or we got to pay for hosting for this stuff, too. So uh, you can also support us on Patreon, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. patreon.com slash Chip and Ironicus. Because the the schedule can be erratic with what I'm making, the podcast has been very steady because Grant edits these and not me. Uh, it's it's kind of sporadic, so I don't like to give too many like tier rewards in case I can't like fulfill those, and then I feel mm-hmm. bad about that. Even if you donate like just a dollar, you get everything basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and sometimes like when we go on breaks, uh, uh, I make sure that because the the breaks are for us to uh, uh, pad out the backlog more. Those episodes are ready to go, so patrons get them early. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the break between part three and part four, much shorter for patrons. Oh, yeah. So, so let that be an incentive if you want one. Another incentive, uh, if, if I can't make it doing this, I have to become a professional uh, opossum tracker, <laughs> and I'm not good at that. I learned that. <laughs> mm. oh, I wish I could meet a possum. <laughs> 
A clean one, preferably, but... I live in fear of rabies. Oh, I wish I were a possum. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thanks everyone for for sticking with us and for listening for this first year of JoJo. I'm excited Mm -hmm. for the next year of JoJo as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. To be continued. Later.